Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to episode 30 of the Groovy Podcast. My name is Ken Cousin, podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, and we also have... Hi, I'm Baruch. Hi, everybody, and I'm in JFRO headquarters in Santa Clara, California. So JFrog's in Santa Clara. And we also have... Hi, I'm Baruch. Hi, everybody, and I'm in JFrog headquarters oh, sorry. in Santa Clara, California. My mistake. Sorry about that. <laughs> I apparently had the uh, window open, so I was playing at the same time. I was listening at the same time I was playing. At any rate, all set now. How are you doing today, Baruch? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, everything's good. How about you? Oh, fine. Very, very well. Uh, it's, we seem to have finally hit summer here in the Northeast. Uh, mm -hmm. Temperatures have gotten very high. How are you doing in, in Santa Clara? Oh, it's, uh, it's been very nice summer so far. Not very hot, good temperatures. We had some fun over the long weekend, traveling a little bit. Oh, Everything's good. I was, uh, I guess you'd call what I was doing a staycation. I was just glad to be home for a few days. I know exactly what they're talking about. That's great. So now, um, looking at the, the news items, I, I do want to talk about the Gradle Summit. That I mean, we missed you on the podcast during the Gradle Summit, um, but I will get to that a little bit later. Should we talk about some of the new releases first? Yes, of course. Uh, I, I would definitely love to hear your take on the Gradle Summit, but we can take the releases and everything out of our way and then talk about the fun stuff. Right. So anyway. We have uh, Kathleen Ken with us here, so that... I'm sure there'll be a tie-in. You know, I'm sure it'll, it'll lead us directly into that. At any rate, exactly. uh, at the Gradle Summit, and, and shortly before that, they released Gradle 2.14, I think we would have mentioned that on the last podcast, but that it turned out to be a live interview with uh, several of the people there, and therefore we didn't get around to news items. 2.14, from what I understand, is mostly a, an improvement in performance. That they're really working on, on speeding things up now considerably. Have you had a chance to update any of your builds to 2.14 yet? Yeah, yeah. so I updated everything looks good. My builds are relatively small, so I didn't notice any significant improvement, but probably probably it is there, right? Uh, chances yeah. are it's there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, there, there were some demos at the, at the summit that, that things were working very well. Of course, what they were talking more about than 2.14 was the upcoming mm -hmm. 3.0 release but that uh that seems to be a little ways away still although right before the summit and i need to add this to the show notes they did release milestone two of gradle 3.0 and i mm -hmm. suppose i should mention mm -hmm. actually one of the interesting things about gradle 3 was supposed to be the change in the underlying model and one of the comments in, in uh, hans doctor's keynote was that a lot of these new model changes are instead going to be merged into existing releases rather than changing every, the way everybody's going to write anything uh, once Gradle 3 comes out. I think they were concerned about the, the pace of change throwing off too many of the existing builds, and they were going to just build in the model improvements without forcing everybody to restructure their Gradle build files for a while. Yes. Yeah, that, so... That makes... 
That that makes sense. And uh, what we heard from uh, uh, from Cedric uh, at the Great Confi, you was also on the same lines that probably Gra uh, Gradle three won't be about this uh, this change of the, this concept change. Right, and I think they were concerned about uh, existing customers and and things like that. And they are getting a lot of the performance improvements even in the two dot x line. I don't know how many more 2.x releases they'll be before 3. I get the feeling that they'd like to move to 3 as soon as they can, and it's just a question of whether they uh, set up a schedule. One of the things they were going to do at the summit, of course, is that Gradle, I still want to call them Gradleware, but Gradle Incorporated has their annual meeting after the summit. You know, they get everybody together worldwide, they all go on a retreat, and then they make plans and decide what's going to happen in the next few months. and We'll see how that uh, plays out. I think they were still tentative about the schedule until they had that meeting. So we'll be looking forward to seeing what uh, what they decide out of that meeting. Yep, yep. That, so that, that makes sense. sense. Before I go on with the Gradle Summit, let me just mention uh, Grails had a 3.1 release. They're up to 3.1.9 now. There, uh, I don't recall there being a lot of significant changes to that. It is largely a, a bug fix release, although they did make one interesting change, as I recall. They uh, they did go to let's see if I have it open here. There was a discussion about. Uh, I think I closed it about changing the um, the testing mechanism. So let me open this in another tab here because I've got it available. Right, is that the integration and functional tests, according to what they say now, now run on a random port instead of the same port as the application by default, just to try to make sure there are no port conflicts when the application is already running. So it's something you can configure, you can use add integration, you can set the server port property. I would call that an interesting change, but not a not a breaking one, not a, not a huge thing. But at any rate, interesting to see that that was uh, updated. Yep. That's that's a good update. That's true. Right, and uh, around the same time, they also released uh, Grails 2.5.5, which is just a bug fix version. I think that came out a little bit before. I believe they are aiming for a 3.2 milestone release right before the the Great Conf in Minneapolis. Yeah. So what what I saw uh, just today on on uh, Grails Slack channel. And of course, I think everybody are more than invited to join. Uh, is that 3.2 uh, is aimed to be released August, but no firm date at this point. So I guess it will be after GreatConf, but not very long after it. Oh, so that that will be when you say released, you mean the the final release version uh, of 3.2. Wow, so they're they're Rails, not planning many release yeah. candidates or anything like that. Uh, gonna have well, to maybe maybe the release candidates will start sooner because until August we have a month. That's plenty of time for a couple of release candidates. But uh, yeah, the the three to two release is scheduled to August. That's that's what uh, Jeff wrote on the Slack channel. Yeah, I'm really not very good at keeping up with the Slack channel. I'm much better at keeping up with Twitter, which I already spend way too much time on. Uh, it's hard for me to keep up on Slack also. Uh, I, You know, the big thing in 3.2, of course, 
not just uh, well, one of the big things was the reactive mechanism, right? Yes. The, the RX quorum capabilities inside of there, which as of great conf in EU, they had working for MongoDB and they were talking about putting it into a relational model, but that apparently that's not so easy. It, uh, it was a natural thing to do with the NoSQL database, but not necessarily with the other one. Yeah, so, okay, so I'll take a look in that. Did you recall any other major changes in 3.2 coming? Uh, no, I think the, I think the, the React thing is, is the main thing indeed, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it will be. According to that Slack comment you put up there, you say quarter three, likely August, but no firm date. Yeah, okay, so uh, good to know. Interesting uh, about that. Oh, and they finally put up a QuickCast 4. I was just searching for QuickCast, and I didn't see any new ones. Uh, so that's right. There's the we're gonna we're gonna have to add that as well. They uh, just glancing at at the uh, Slack channel while you were I had that link open. Apparently, the the OCI team and DZone have put up a Grails QuickCast on Angular scaffolding, so that presumably with the Angular JS profile with Grails, you can now um, generate the, uh, the the scaffolding with Angular if necessary. And I know a lot of people will be interested in that. I'm actually wondering about that. I, I can't decide personally whether it's better to have Angular as part of the same Grails app in the back end or to have two completely separate apps, one that runs just on the client side and, and uses the, the Grails app as a RESTful web service on the back end. You know what I mean? Yes. Do you have an opinion about that? I mean, do you, do you know? Well, what? yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's kind of tough, of the, or, or tough to decide. But maybe it's a, you know, it's a good thing having yeah, those I, options. And... I did sit in the Angular scaffolding section of the uh, the Grails discussion at at GreatConf, the the tutorial there. And my problem is, is I just don't understand enough about Angular to really follow everything that was going on there. So I don't really know how to evaluate it. I mean, clearly everything worked, but from what I saw from the the uh, RESTful API that that Grails now supports, I suspect that's going to be sufficient, you know, and that you could build the separate app with Angular however you want and have that fine. I suppose it'll be nice to have either option. But at any rate, we're going to have to add that quick cast to the overall uh, show notes again. Sure you go, right? We just got another item. Yes, I'm going to have to add that in. Um, I do notice, by the way, another big thing that's coming, and I, I think this may already be in the Grails 3.1 uh, distribution now, is the new emphasis on JSON views. Have you played around with the JSON views at all? Yeah, yeah, I tried. Uh, I tried to play with them a little bit. Uh, they are they are nice, and and uh, it works uh, as expected. Um, I don't know. We didn't we didn't use them in production in Bintray yet, so. Um, what what I played with them, they are, as expected, do what they're supposed to do. I mean, my and sense is that the use case is the ability to customize your RESTful web service. Exactly, so exactly. You can you can easily build you can easily build a UI on top of your uh, of your REST API. Yes. Ironic that that puts it in direct competition with Ratpack, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's not ironic. In some uh, in some point of time, that was inventable that Grails and Redpack 
compete on certain portions of their functionality, and that's fine. Oh, I think that's interesting, actually. I think it'll be um, the sort of a competition between the, the traditional style of Spring Boot-related Hibernate-based application versus the Rat Pack model with Netty and asynchronous, asynchronous modeling and everything in Java 8 and, and all the rest of that. That'll be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Rat Pack grows in, in uh, interest, but at this point, I'd kind of like to see Grails 3 adoption start to pick up as well. That would be very nice also. So I'm going to see what we can do to, to try to help that along as well. So, yeah, so from, from what I hear from our folks uh, here in JFrog, um, Grails 3 definitely is a huge step forward. But the migration, migration is, is significant. Mm. So, yeah, I get, I mean, it is a major change. So I'm not sure how many people are going to be willing to convert. I think they're more like working on a new application would use Grails 3 rather than try to update an existing one. Yeah, so we, we took this effort and, and, and converted, and I think that everybody hope to be more productive now with, with Grails 3, so this conversion will pay off. Time will tell. But uh, the, the migration is uh, is a significant chunk of work. Uh, just to cover all the bases, we should point out that Grails also released 2.5.5, just another bug fix uh, capability there. Nothing, uh, no new capabilities, just f cleaning up some issues. And as well, Groovy also, uh, I remember Cedric said that he was, Cedric Shampo, for those who are listening, uh, mentioned that he was going to push out a new release with some bug fixes as well. Groovy and the 2.4.7 was released the uh, 3rd of June, right around the time of Great Conf EU. Yeah, yeah, and and I hope they, it's, a, it's a very big list of bug fixes that they nailed down uh, because there wasn't any release for a while. And the, te the reason for that was all the technical migration to Apache infrastructure and then getting, you know, getting faster with the releases and more on the automated process for, for releasing faster and everything. And hopefully they are now more uh, on track with that and we'll see more frequent groovy releases as well. Well, I think the fact that nobody is currently being funded to work directly on the language may slow down the release, the release schedule, uh, as opposed to Grails or, or Gradle, who both have companies behind them that are pushing them. Uh, I agree that the infrastructure seems to be much more stable now and that they, they've got the mechanism, the process worked out, although it's uh, interesting that now it takes a couple of days for the, for the uh, approval process to go through at Apache, but nevertheless, I don't think that's uh, holding back the release of Grails. I think it's a Groovy, rather. I think it's far more that that we don't have necessarily dedicated people working full time on the on the language anymore. Actually, uh, only makes the, the whole infrastructure and the ease of the release is more important because if the, the the committers have only certain amount of time that they can dedicate in most of the work than the people who cannot release those who can should be able to do that as soon as fast as 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 and as simple as possible sure a uh, couple other things and then I'll focus much more on the on the uh, the Gradle summit uh, first of all, just as a as a point, uh, Ryan Vanderwerf, who works for OCI, 
uh, as part of the Grails team, uh, released a new article on building Alexa skills with Grails. This is essentially the same presentation that he gave at GreatConf EU. He did it both as a presentation. He also gave a workshop on working with all the Amazon toys, if you will, uh, with Grails. And I believe he's giving the same workshops at, at GreatConf in Minneapolis yes. in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes, he will. So this was nice to get it all documented and laid out. And the way he was able to use those uh, Alexa tools uh, actually made me think that might be an interesting approach. I, I don't know if I'm willing to pull the trigger yet on buying one of those devices, but it looked much better than I was expecting. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see what Google comes up with on their on their device. But Amazon has a good history of handling this sort of problem relatively well. And though Google may do better on the voice recognition, they're not designed around the same sorts of services as Amazon. It ought to be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. So from, from what I understood from this article and talking a little bit um, with Ryan himself, um, it's, uh, it's reasonably simple because all these customizations, all those apps, are essentially web services that Alexa or other tools can can uh, echo or other tools can communicate with and whatever those uh, services return this is what actually happened so for us of course it's fun that it's written in groovy and grails but it can be anything it can be Perl CGI script that basically does the, the same it, it, it's fun but it's not something to do with the echo technology itself right it's just a, a restful web service i i follow several people in the business community and, and one of the interesting things about amazon in general is that they don't want to have any meetings at all within amazon they would like to have it so that everyone uses amazon services and the services are so well documented that you can integrate with anything you want at any time without having to get people directly involved and the the way they design all their systems, that means that Amazon is the first customer of their own systems, just as they were with Amazon Web Services. And that therefore, this is a natural thing for them to be able to provide. It's something that they're very likely to be very good at, as opposed to Apple, which is focused on hardware and integration and controlling the entire, uh, the entire uh, chain that so much that a lot of things get reinvented over and over again. They're not really specializing in services. They specialize in hardware. It's just very interesting to watch how two companies just designed around completely different paradigms uh, have very different skills that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Those, um, and we all know the story and and this very famous blog post about how uh, Amazon Web Services work together and, and how that enables all the great things like that. AWS and everything around and and I think the whole echo technology it's it's exactly the same thing the way they built it uh, the way it intercommunicates within Amazon makes it very simple to, to extend all they need to use is another link and then it actually works exactly the same way mm. well uh, okay moving on uh, Zach Klein Zachary Klein one of the many many clients that we have in the community um, wrote a nice article on using react with grails as well so that's basically another demonstration of how you could use a major javascript mvc framework with a grails back end have you looked into that at all 
Uh, no, no, I didn't see it. I, I just saw that this article exists. I didn't read through it yet. It's on it's, my read list. But it's basically just another demonstration, much like the AngularJS framework, or pardon me, profile with Rails. It's just another demonstration of how you can use pretty much any JavaScript MVC framework you want with Grails, but these sorts of things are very big selling points in the community because, of course, React is very hot right now as a JavaScript MVC framework, so it's always good to see the demo. Yep. So he wrote an article about that. Uh, I did notice a tweet, and I put it in here, Canoo, uh, C-A-N-O-O, -O, the, the company in Switzerland that employs, let's see, Dirk Koenig works there, right? Yes. And uh, Andre Salmire, the head of yes. the, uh, the head of the Griffin framework for those who are listening for the first time. And of course, uh, Dirk is the lead author on Grails in Action, although these days he seems to spend most of his time party oh I can't believe I said that. Groovy in action. Peter's not here, right. but he's one of the lead authors on Grails in Action. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, he's the lead author on Groovy in Action. He, of course he spends most of his time these days on Freggy, you know. But nevertheless, um, he's a, another person at Canoe. Canoe is now offering commercial support for projects in the Groovy ecosystem. And uh, can, of course, Jochen. Oh, and Jochen Teodoro, right. Who is Jochen, I would say, the most knowledgeable person about Groovy internals, uh, compiler, the, the lexer, and, and everything in between. He's with Canoe now as well. Yeah, other than possibly Guillaume, but maybe not. I mean, uh, Guillaume LaForge, of course. Um, if you ask me, Johan is deeper in the in the guts of, of Groovy as a programming language than, than Cedric. Yeah, all I know is that I can understand the first five to ten minutes of his talks and then I'm lost. So uh, once they go beyond all that. Yes, anyway, he's a canoe as well. So they are now offering commercial support for projects. They, they say Groovy, but I think they mean for projects throughout the Groovy ecosystem. Yeah, and, and if you go to, if you follow the link in our show notes, you will see there they have all the links of all the ecosystem, and they actually call it commercial support for Groovy and the ecosystem. Yeah, so that's, that's definitely a good thing. Now, there were a couple things I do need to mention. Uh, oh, right, one last thing before we get to the summit. There was an announcement that by Graham Roche that the GORM documents, the documents for GORM itself, GORM 5, are, have now been converted to ASCII doctor, which has been a long time coming. I mean, it's, it's a difficult process converting all those uh, Grail stocks over to ASCII doc, but that will be a great long-term move once that's completed. I know that... That's I know the documentation for the JSON views as well inside of uh, Rails is already inside of ASCII Doctor. Uh, I imagine as they get everything moved over, then that will, you know, make the whole thing much easier to maintain, much not much nicer rendering, and so on. That's uh, well, ASCII Doc. We see more and more projects move to ASCII Doc, and that's uh, that, that's great because it is actually the best platform for writing in general and documentation in particular. So that's that's only natural, and uh, more and more projects the better. Okay. Well, coming back to the Gradle Summit, the there were two major things they were pushing very hard. Uh, one, the biggest one that tied into their commercial offerings was this build scan capability. 
have you heard anything addition about that, or or do I, should I just talk about what I saw at the summit? Yeah. So no, I, I, I I'm sure I saw less than you. I just uh, saw some tweets and saw the demo and how it looks like. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That was what Gradle.com website that, that with the Marvels design was all about. Well, the the Gradle.com is going to be their their or whole. Dot org. Sorry, the Gradle.org or one of them. Um, I'm not sure how it ties into the website totally, but there is. Well, let me say it this way: Gradle.com in general was the focus of the commercial offerings, as opposed to Gradle.org is the open source one. The new scanning capability, which is going to be provided for free in the cloud, is uh, scans.gradle.com, as you say. I yeah, think. yeah. So yes, it was Gradle.com. So we had for for half a year this uh, strange design with three eye bleeding colors that said coming soon. This is it, right? This is the scansgradle.com. Right. And you can see they what they've done is that they run these tools on Gradle, or, or pardon me, on the Gradle build, and that they're able to see a whole wide range of output uh, documentation ranging from performance to tests to, uh, to project dependencies, plugins, everything all in one coordinated set of HTML documentation. If you want much more advice, then they have commercial offerings, but you can do all this for free using your own at uh, scans.gradle.com. Uh, Luke Daly, of course, was talking about that on our podcast last time, but he uh, demonstrated it for, um, I think he used a small project, and then they there was a demo of, the use of scans.gradle. I think Cedric did one on the, um, I think it might have been on Spock, on the Spock infrastructure to demonstrate how a much larger project would show on this sort of thing. And it was very impressive stuff. Yeah, and now if you go to scans.gradle.com and, and, and click on C-scan, the example scan that you will see will be the Gradle build itself, the build of, of Gradle. Yeah, and uh, the one thing that struck me, of course, is watching Hans do this live. It was, well, he's got a nice, fast machine there with a lot of RAM. <laughs> it was very quick and very impressive. But at any rate, it's another step along the path toward making something that is easier for people to analyze and understand their, their dependencies and the performance and things of that nature. Uh, so that was one. Yeah, no, and I, and I think and I think that's a very big differentiator for Gradle as a tool, and of course, a business opportunity for Gradle Gradle Inc. as a company, uh, because uh, you know that's that what actually makes makes it really different from anything else. Because when you when you speak to a certain level of people, they couldn't care less if their project is Maven or Gradle or or Ant or or CMake. It really doesn't matter for them. But having something like this that provides visibility into their build structure can actually make a difference for a lot of people that were that completely didn't care about build before that. Definitely. And that was one of the big features of, of Hans's keynote. Now, of course, there were many talks there. I, I should at least mention one that, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to. Uh, there was a discussion about the Lint plugin, which I had never actually used. Have you dealt with the Lint plugin at all? Yeah. So, so my take on the Lint plugin. So, uh, I was 
Um, of course, I'm very enthusiastic and, and very favorable uh, towards Gradle as a build tool comparing to, to others, especially comparing to Maven because of its flexibility. But I was always skeptic about the adoption of Gradle in, in big traditional enterprises, I would say. And one of the reasons I believe that uh, Gradle will have a harder time to catch on those is that the build masters don't really trust the developers to touch their build code code and when you put them in the constraints of a very um, narrow and, and um, formal tool like Maven yeah, you save because they couldn't ru ruin match in Maven because they couldn't do match in Maven but when you give them this um, flexible and powerful tool like Gradle um, I believe that one of the um, uh, fears of, of those uh, traditional build masters will be that the build script will now very rapidly become unmaintainable because developers will add their own tasks in a very imperative way to the build and actually create a, a hell out of it. And um, when I shared this concern with, with, with people over the internet and with Hans, of course, Hans uh, showed me the Lint plugin and said that that might be something that um, uh, so solved this problem. And, and for me, if we, if we have this, I would call it enterprise mode plugin that basically bans most of the things that you can do in Gradle and leave the developers with very limited set of functionality like adding dependencies um, and, you know, and maybe applying plugins. Uh, if Lint plugin can do that, I think that it might help very much for adoption of Gradle in the, in the enterprise. Well, the uh, the plugin was featured as actually won an award. They, you know, Hans was saying that they like to give out an award for the best Gradle plugin, and this one they they felt was no contest at all. Uh, so the, the the presentation was made by John Schneider, and he is at Netflix. And there were Netflix was of course very well represented at the Gradle Summit, and this is part of their set of Gradle-based tools that they use at Netflix, where they are an enormous Gradle shop with literally thousands of builds that they have to manage, and they really uh, think very highly of this uh, Gradle Lint plugin. Have you actually tried it, by the way? Yeah, I played with it a little bit. I didn't uh, try to write some new rules and everything, but um, I, I looked at what already there. Um, it looks it looks solid. It looks good for me. It's just a question of how flexible the rules can be, and mm -hmm. that has to do with how flexible Gradle will be to accommodate such rules like what I just mentioned. Uh, make a rule that will will fail a build if a task is written inside a script and not inside the plugin. Can I write such a plugin uh, such a rule in Lint? I don't know. Um, if I can, that will be awesome again for those um, like old school uh, enterprise builds. If not, maybe it's not what I'm looking for. Well, that was uh, a big feature there. Again, I don't use it very much. Uh, the one that I like that they did have a, a talk on, of course, John Engelman talked about a shadow plugin. Uh, mm -hmm. Which was which is outstanding, and also now that is one of the best documented plugins around. He he put together again, I believe, using ASCII doc, a, a pretty extensive set of documentation on the Shadow plugin. 
uh, just one one note for those people who don't know about that. The shadow plugin is the plugin that enables you to create what they call a fat jar, a, a single yes. jar file with ev all the dependencies bundled inside of it that you can use to execute. The Rat Pack people have been using that for years as a way to bundle a, a Rat Pack app, perhaps for a, a microservice. But it's a, mm -hmm. it's a plugin that can be used on any Gradle-based project. Yes, that's true, and I think I used it a couple of times when I needed to create a fat jar. Uh, I'm not a very big uh, fan of the fat jar concept because mm -hmm. it's, it's very easily end up in a in a jar hell when you have class plus hell when you have more than one class, um, more than one version of of a certain class in the class pass just because one came from Fajar and the other came from a normal dependency, but uh, it's definitely something interesting. By the way, Lint plugin can fight uh, Fajars and, and find them and actually ban them and force you to, to work with normal dependency management instead. Ah, very interesting. Well, that of course leads me to the other topic that was a big discussion at, at Gradle Summit, which was of course Kotlin. They, oh yes, and yeah. now you can put your Kotlin can hat on and advocate Kotlin for us. I, I'm never going to escape that, am I? I mean, just because I've got the wrong initials, you know, it's just going to be a problem, a long-term one. Yes, exactly. No, that it just sounds so awesome that no one can ever resist. Well, at any rate, I saw the the overall keynote by oh, I'm trying to remember the person's name who gave the uh, the Kotlin discussion. I don't see it directly online, but there was a, a keynote the second day on how Kotlin was going to be used inside of uh, inside of Gradle. Now that keynote focused as much on the language itself, and then there was a separate presentation on Kotlin, especially for Android, which, uh, which I was also interested in being involved in that community as well. Uh, let me just give you my, my impression immediately and then of course with the caveat that I'm just still learning we'll have to see how this goes. Uh, first of all my sense was is that Kotlin as a language does seem to be complete. I mean it does seem to be ready to be used in a real application. That said Kotlin as a build language for Gradle doesn't feel like it's anywhere near ready for prime time. I mean the impression I got was that that they were able to demonstrate that they were able to use Kotlin in a build file, but that it's not really expected to be used for some time. Again, they were kind of targeting the end of the year on full support for that, but my feeling is it's like it's already July. Uh, we'll see how well that goes. I think we've got a good year before that's really going to be ready. They also had a talk by... Um, Oh, nuts. Uh, Chris uh, Beams, I think it was, who was big in the Spring framework as well, Spring community. Uh, he's at Pivotal, and he was discussing the issues that come up with codices. I mean, after all, part of the reason to go to Kotlin was the ability to get such great IDE integration inside the Gradle build file. And you do get integration where you control click on something and can move around to classes and throughout the API. But part of the problem there part of one of the challenges they're facing is that when you go after a dot or when you're in the middle of the DSL and you hit control space, you get an enormous number of choices, many of which are really only appropriate for Groovy. 
I mean, there, there are many, many terms in the API that take as an argument a groovy closure. And that isn't typed, of course. I mean, if it's typed at all, it's, it's a type closure. And therefore, that isn't really what they want in the Kotlin API for Grails. And they're not exactly sure what to do with that. They can't exactly deprecate it. They want to somehow reorder it in the IDE so that it's not first in the list. But how do they make it so that when you're in a Kotlin type of build inside a Gradle, that you only see things that are appropriate for Kotlin? Plus, there's the fact that much of the DSL uses closures, and you don't have to worry about the type of things inside. And yet, of course, fundamental to the whole idea of Kotlin is that everything is typed. So that, in fact, inside the Android part of this, which I was interested in, you can't even use the Android block inside the plugin without knowing the actual internal types that you have to use to deal with this. Now, that's not going to fly. Now, of course, that's not what they're planning long term. I mean, I, I fully expect that this is going to get resolved. But my sense was, is that Kotlin is a language. Sure, go ahead and use it. Try it out if you want. It's a 1.0. Don't expect more than 1.0 type stuff. Kotlin as a Gradle build tool, we got six months to a year before you really need to worry about it. Kotlin as a language to build Android applications in, well, they talk about it, and they talk about people doing it, but I don't, I'm not in any great hurry to do that either. I especially think that the Android plugins are a long way away from being ready for that to, to be in, put into production. Now, how, what's a long way away? It could be a year. I mean, we certainly are going to have to reevaluate this. By the way, I did get a chance to talk to Zav, uh, Xavier Okay, let's see if I get this right. Cedric will correct my pronunciation if I get it wrong. So, Xavier Ducroet, D-U-C-R-O-H-E-T. Yes. Uh, he's the head of the Android Studio project and the Android plugin for Gradle project at Google. And I pulled him aside and I said, you know, uh, I know people are writing things in Gradle and also occasionally you're writing an Android app in Groovy, right? Uh, we saw a release of a 1.0 release of that plugin as well fairly recently. I'm going to have to add that to the show notes also. At any rate, I said, what's Google's position on all this? Are they going to start advocating that people use Kotlin or any other non-Java JVM-based language? And he said they there is no move at all at, Ruby right, at Google right now to pick a preference. They're willing to support all these other languages, but they're not interested in trying to advocate for one or another. Uh, which I find very interesting. I mean, they say that, that Kotlin's growth growth is happening in the Android community. My sense is if, if a tenth of a percent of Android apps are written using Kotlin, that's a huge number. I don't think that's true. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Now, that said, there's more Kotlin apps out there in Android than there are Groovy apps. I have no doubt of that as well. Uh, Groovy is not being adopted and some of the people at the summit like at uh, Netflix and other companies were of the opinion that Groovy apps were far too large when used inside there but I'm not sure that they were using them correctly or building them correctly or anything like that it was just an offhand remark cost aside uh, we'll see how this plays out but I, I think we've got at least a year before we have to seriously worry about uh, anything in this uh, in, in Gradle or Android being threatened by Colin yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll see. The, as as we spoke a number of times, 
Um, I believe that all the community would be just fine uh, if the announcement of Gradle was, okay, you can write it in Groovy or you can write it in Kotlin. Um, if I um, if I put it correctly, the, the problem of the community, and my personally was the preferable, the preference towards Kotlin, that the announcement was Kotlin will be the preferred language. And I think that's exactly where most of us, or me personally, saw the, saw the problem. Well, and you say preferred language. What that meant was is that it would be recommended as the preferred language in Gradle for building plugins. And yes. if that's going to be the preferred language for building plugins, then the big question, the big question that I ask all of these people at Gradle is, is if I'm a new Java developer or if I'm an existing Java developer and my company decides to adopt Gradle as the build tool, then what do I do? Do I learn Groovy? Do I learn Kotlin? Do I learn both? I mean, what do I have to do? Right now, clearly the answer is learn Groovy. And there's a huge experience base, and it's a very stable language. We have lots of uh, knowledge about how to go about uh, using it, especially inside of Gradle. If they want Kotlin to be the preferred language ultimately, then they want the answer to that question to be Kotlin. We'll see. I just don't know. I mean, it's certainly not there yet. But, again, they're, they're working very hard on it. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. That's, that, will be, that will be interesting. And um, again, I think that this announcement and and the whole uh, the whole noise about it was a lot of serving Gradle's uh, business uh, answer business problems and much more than actually a technical decision. But uh, yeah, we will uh, we will see. So I was fortunate enough at the summit, by the way, to get a chance to actually hang out a little bit with. Let's see if I can actually pronounce it correctly now. Uh, Skulk. Cronyi, the creator of the, the or the writer of the idiomatic Gradle plugins book, now with a volume two at plant. Uh, his book is at Lean Pub, and so will volume two be there eventually. At uh, any rate, I got to see his talk on this, and it was very informative. It was very interesting. I, I definitely want to finish the rest of that book. I, I had read a part of it. and got distracted by something else and hadn't gone back. Now, after seeing that talk, I was able to go back and read that, you know, much, make much more progress this time. And, and I, I think that's going to be very interesting. So I'm looking forward to digging into that a lot more. Uh, also, uh, Marco Vermeulen was there, the inimitable creator and maintainer of SDK Man, uh, doing a wonderful job as usual. He's moved everything to Docker containers deployed on, I believe it's DigitalOcean now. Uh, very impressive stuff. And the part that bothers me is apparently it's out of his own pocket. So we're going to have to talk to uh, Hans or somebody like that and see if we get a company to sponsor him as well. Unless oh, he yes. No, Mark doing his fantastic job and definitely deserves to be sponsored or somehow crowdfunded or something yeah, along those kind of Patreon or whatever. I'd be happy to sponsor that. Um, I don't. I didn't see a lot more. A lot of other presentations at the summit. I, I did my talk on on um, Gradle recipes for Android, and there was a bunch of copies of my book there, which were given out ultimately. Uh, but nothing else was done regarding that specially, so that'll be around. I'm going to talk about that at GreatConf in Minneapolis as well. Uh, it'll be interesting. I was looking over the agenda for GreatConf in Minneapolis, and, and Graham will be talking, Graham Roche will be talking about the upcoming Rails uh, developments as well. 
in that ecosystem. And is there anything else from the upcoming Great Comp that you wanted to mention? Or? Uh, yeah, so I think I think first of all the agenda looks really really a uh, nice. I I hope a lot of people will attend because it is a very good content. Uh, from the latest developments, uh, we converted the Groovy Puzzlers from being uh, like a regular a uh, conference talk on one of the tracks to be our beloved format of the drunk keynote uh, it will take place after the, after the happy hour and after beers and everything well everybody will be as drunk as they should be towards groovy puzzlers and uh, i will be at least that's for sure and uh, it will be it will be a lot of uh, fun my co-host of the Groovy Puzzlers is a, is a surprise, is a secret, and yeah. I can tell you that no one will be disappointed. Well, now I'm dying to know who that's going to be. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, no one knows. All I can say is I know it's not me, because you obviously have something planned. I have no idea who that'll be. So that, yeah, that you, you, would know, you would know by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know last year at this point. Uh, let's see what else. Is yeah, there? that's that's also true. <laughs> uh, there's a John Engelman's going to talk about writing software in the age of agile with microservices, cloud containers, and DevOps. That's another one. Looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. In addition to all the regular talks as well, I'm going to give that same uh, Ruby ecosystem talk that I gave at GreatConf EU. I'll be talking about that at the Gradle Summit. I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Anise Davis. Uh, Anise Davis is a is very big in the Android community, and she's talking about uh, Gradle plugins and Gradle plugins for Android as well. But that, again, that's kind of a specialist topic. That's the uh, people who are interested in Android in particular. Uh, the Rat Pack people look to be well represented, and so do the uh, the people who are talking about Jeb as well. Uh, that ought to be fun yep. too. Any oh, I, I guess we should also mention, of course, upcoming is the G3 Summit, which will be the end of November. It's right after Thanksgiving until the first week of December. I've got the dates in the show notes. We should be talking about that uh, a bit more in the future now that uh, certainly once BreakConf uh, in Minneapolis is done, that'll be the next major Groovy-related yep. conference. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to mention again, winter in Florida is, is a great match. Absolutely. Definitely a good plan for that. I plan to spend a little bit of time there. Uh, that ought to be really enjoyable. And, and Jay Zimmerman, you know, he knows how to run a conference. So, I mean, the, the NoFluff yeah. conferences always run well and UberConf and things like that. And I'm not just saying that because they host our homepage, you know, at nofluffjuststuff.com slash rubypodcast, uh, but also because whenever I go to a non-NoFluff conference, it's interesting to see the challenges that people run into that are pretty routine now. Uh, in, in terms of the, the no-fluff sequence. They, they also were a major player in the Gradle Summit as well. Worked well there also. Mm -hmm. yep. anything, that's, else, that's... Uh, anything else that you wanted to mention? Anything we're leaving out here? No, I think it was a solid, uh, a solid episode. We have a lot of stuff covered and um, it, it, took, it took a while. I guess how, we are how, how, how long we are Online already? I, I don't know for sure, but I believe we're a little over half an hour at this point. Probably close. Yeah. To so so I think yeah I think I think that's 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 a good uh, uh, that's a good timing and good content. So um, thank you everybody for coming for for hearing us, seeing us, 
and uh, reading our release notes, I guess. And I expect that we will do a, another live podcast at GreatConf in Minneapolis. We probably will. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't do that. Right. So if, if not before, then we'll talk to you all then. Again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you personally take care. Have a good time, and, and I'll talk to you soon, Brooke. Thank you. Bye-bye.